Do you love leading but hate all the stress it can bring? Being in a leadership role shouldn't ruin your life. You just need a guide to show you how to prevent those leadership fires before they start. And I am so excited to tell you that I've created the survival guide course you need to learn how to not only survive leadership, but thrive in leadership. And I even give you a workbook full of templates that you can plug and play at work tomorrow. So stop letting leadership stress get the best of you and enroll in my Leadership on the Rocks Survival Guide course today by clicking on the link in the show notes or by going to my website, leadershipontherocks.com and clicking the Enroll Now button. Again, that's leadershipontherocks.com and click the Enroll button. I'll see you in the course. directly responsible or attacked, they're going to become defensive and shut down. It it takes an extremely confident and humble person to admit ownership of big problems. And if your organization is in chaos, I bet the organizational leaders don't have the leader mindset, skill set, or the guts to admit that the chaos is their fault. the Leadership on the Rocks podcast, where we equip and empower leaders like you to thrive in and create harmony between your professional and personal lives. I'm your host, Bethany Reese. And in today's episode, we're going to continue learning how to lead through organizational chaos by discussing how to lead up by stepping out and leading those in authority positions across and up the organization. Welcome back to part three of the series on how to lead through organizational chaos. If you are sick and tired of being stressed out because of the dysfunctional and chaotic organization that you're currently working in, well, I have good news for you, my friend. All hope is not lost. While your current circumstances may account for your growing gray hairs and your climbing blood pressure, you are still in control of you. You are still in control of your behaviors, your actions, and your decision-making. So if you find yourself working in a dysfunctional organization, you can choose to take these four steps to lead through organizational chaos. In episode 28, we discussed step one and two of leading. Step one is to put the oxygen mask on yourself by reframing your thoughts reminding yourself of your purpose, which is bigger than your title or your paycheck, and washing off your workday before engaging with your family and friends. Step two is to put the oxygen mask on others in the domain of relationships by helping them have a safe place to vent their frustrations, but to also help them reframe their thoughts. Now, in episode 29, we discussed step three, which is to rally the group around a common cause in the domain of culture. Because we learn that the one thing that is bigger than fear in a chaotic situation is hope. To rally the group, you can be the positive voice at the table, inspiring hope over fear. You can lead the conversations in defending and reminding your coworkers of who you are as a team, what your purpose is, and how you're going to work together to overcome the chaos. We also learned that if you're in a leadership position with authority, you, in addition to rallying the culture of the troops, 
need to communicate clearly and often, as well as coach others in leadership to equip and empower them to be a part of the solution. You're also going to find and coach, and if need be, remove the quiet quitters and energy vampires from the culture. Now, in today's episode, we're going to continue learning how to lead through organizational chaos by discussing the last area in which you can make a positive impact no matter your current title. (laughs) Yes, today, my friends, we're going to talk about leading up, down, and across the organization. Now, you may want to pause this episode for a moment and do some mental stretching because we're fixing to talk about how to step into some very uncomfortable situations where you will be, as they say, managing up. Now, the term managing up refers to you leading your leaders. However, I want you to know that I'm changing that phrase. (laughs) I am changing it from managing up to leading up because you listen to this podcast, you know that we manage systems and processes and things like budgets. We don't manage people. We lead people. So throughout the rest of this episode, I'm going to be using the phrase leading up instead of managing up. So feel free to take a deep breath, do some mental stretching, because we're going to knowingly step into the chaos to help stop it at its source. area you can lead through to make a positive impact in helping your organization go from chaos to recovery and from recovery to results despite a lack of leadership at the upper levels is through the domain of organization. This domain will really have you stepping out of your comfort zone to try to extend your circle of influence. And here (laughs) is where the biggest fear monster of all lives the fear of rejection. Fear of rejection from their leaders, stakeholders, or the public at large. And fear can keep people and organizations locked in a silent prison. Too often, people see something wrong, yet say nothing because of the fear of being and feeling rejected by others. Seriously, y'all, this is a junior high feeling of rejection, and that is what is causing leaders of million and even billion dollar companies from speaking up about things that matter. All people tell themselves lies to reinforce that fear. People tell themselves, oh, they'll never believe me. Or who am I to speak up with an idea? I'm a nobody. Or maybe they tell themselves, I'm not smart enough. Or I don't have a big enough title to speak up. Again, The fear we allow to grow in our minds keeps us locked in a prison of negativity and silence. I've taught every single grade level, K-12. So I've literally seen every level of physical and psychological growth in children. And I've worked with adults fresh out of college all the way to retirement age. And guess what? Adults are just big kids. They still struggle with the lack of confidence, the fear of rejection, and a need for external validation. I've even seen leaders with big titles and even bigger paychecks, too scared to ask a question in a meeting out of fear of rejection. Or they were too scared to make a hard decision based on what is right 
because it might upset others and mess with their flow of external validation. I mean, are you freaking kidding me? Leaders, we have to get to the point of having a leader mindset where we are confident in who we are and in knowing our identity that it is bigger and our purpose is greater than our title and our paycheck. So how this confidence plays out is I'm not scared to ask a question because my identity doesn't rest with the person or the answer they give. So I have nothing to fear by asking the question. Speaking of fear to ask a question, it's so funny. As I was preparing this podcast episode, my dad actually shared a Facebook post with me recently, and it's from the World of Physics page. And it said there are three simple rules in life. One, if you don't go after what you want, you'll never get it. Two, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. And three, if you don't step forward, you're always in the same place. So I really like that. It kind of like hit the nail on the head of what we're talking about. If you don't start being the change that you want to see in the organization, the chances are you'll never see the change ever. So in humble confidence, you need to step up and step out of your comfort zone and expand your circle of influence. Now, don't get me wrong here, though. (laughs) There are still channels of communication and titles that you need to respect and work through. So before you go requesting a one-on-one with your CEO (laughs) to discuss organizational strategy, let me share a path of how to get there. First, as a leader, you have to practice what you preach when it comes to leadership. So in other words, you can't complain about the leadership above you being bad communicators, if you're a bad communicator. Remember these two things is just honestly great life advice. First, hypocrites always expose their hypocritical ways, so know that your words don't matter as much as your action does. And then second, nobody respects a hypocrite. (laughs) So step one of leading up the organization is to make sure that you are doing a great job of leading down the organization. Second, you want to be a great collaborator with your leader peers so that everyone is sharing best practices and making each other a better leader. Collaboration is the opposite of being selfish and territorial in leadership. Collaboration is kind because it's all about the greater good. So step two of leading up the organization is to make sure that you're leading across the organization with your leadership peers. And third, because you have your own leadership stuff together with your team and you have the greater good in mind by working with your leader peers, then you'll have more influence when you make the moves to lead up the organization. So step three of leading up the organization is to position yourself in such a way that your message is relevant, concise, and is directly tied to the big picture level of your organizational leaders. All right, here's what we're gonna do in this episode. We're gonna break down each of these steps of leading up the organization. And remember, it starts with step one. Before you can lead up, you have to make sure that you do a great job of leading down.
So step one of leading up in a chaotic organization is to make sure that you're doing a great job of leading down. Now, every episode in this podcast provides you with clarity and strategies of how to lead down, especially in episodes 16 through 23, where I explain the eight essential rocks of the Leadership on the Rocks framework. But in the midst of organizational chaos, let me kind of just give you the bare essentials of how to lead down through chaos. Number one, put the oxygen mask on yourself by developing a leader mindset that allows you to reframe, respond, and wash off the workday. Number two, put the oxygen mask on others by building positive relationships with others where they feel seen, heard, and valued. Now, again, I went into great detail about those two steps in part one of this series, and it's in episode 28. Number three, focus on the essentials and not innovation. Be clear in your goals for the team. And you can use phrases like, at the end of the day. At the end of the day, we're going to focus on this, this, and this. Number four, clearly communicate and document everything. In a state of stress, people cannot focus well. So say it, document it in an email, have a one-page graphic that explains it, and put it in an easy-to-find location. And then repeat, repeat, and guess what? Repeat the same critical but simple messages over and over and over. Number five, streamline the work to make it as efficient and effective as possible. Solve the low-hanging fruit problems. In a chaotic organization, mentally, y'all, people can't handle just one more thing being added to their plate. So work to eliminate, automate, and delegate anything that you can do to make their work easier. And number six, help the team focus on a common goal and their why behind their what. Pull groups together to discuss the problems and share ideas for a solution. This not only equips them with leadership skills, but it empowers them to be a part of the solution to turn the organization around. This transforms them from victims with no power to heroes on a mission to save the day. Now I want to suggest an idea knowing that this can have you actually walking on thin ice. But some of you in a situation where the leadership above you is making decisions that is absolutely detrimental to your team, and in reality, doesn't move the organization closer to its ultimate goal. Now, if you find yourself in this position, know that because you are in a leadership role for yourself, that you have professional discretion to make the hard decisions, to filter out the chaos completely, and to make the next right decision that is best for your team. But, (laughs) and here's the thin ice part, You must know that you're also going to be held accountable for that decision of filtering out whatever the upper leader expectations are that you believe are truly asinine. Now, as an administrator, I told myself that I will always be legal in following mandates and policies, but that I would never just forward a mandate to my staff. You know, there's a lot of crap, let's just say stuff, that rolls down the hill in education, and I'm sure it does in your organization too. I tried to be a very tight strainer that was going to put whatever mandate through a very rigorous process of kissing it, keeping it simple, stupid, before I ever let it roll down the hill to my staff. So if the, quote, stuff is rolling down the hill in your organization 
And yes, you know there's a really a different word in that phrase besides stuff, but as a leader, you can bust your rear to stop the stuff from rolling down to your employees, especially if you work under ineffective leadership above you. Remove as much stuff as you can, but always know that you're going to be held accountable for the decisions, the hard decisions that you're making. So to summarize how to lead down the organization in a crisis, I want you to think, breathe, support, focus, communicate, document, streamline, and empower. And I know that's a lot of words, but it's a summary of what we just talked about. Breathe. You need oxygen. (laughs) Your people on your team need oxygen. Put the oxygen mask on. Support them. Allow them safe places to vent. Provide focus on what's most essential. Communicate often. People are making up stories about what's going on and how it affects them. So you need to be clear in your communications. You need to document. Here's what we're focused on. Here's what we're doing. I'm going to say it over and over and over again. Streamline. Make the work as efficient and effective as possible. Eliminate, automate, and delegate. And then empower your people. Hey guys, you're part of the solution. Let's do this together. Step two of leading up in an organization is to lead across the organization. This means that you're leading your peers, but don't get power hungry here, okay? Your goal is not to be in charge of your peers, but to influence or to be the catalyst for positive change across the organization by being a support for your peers. The easiest first step in leading across the organization is just to start a conversation with your peers. And you got to do it without bad-mouthing anyone in the organization. So go first. Go first in sharing what you're struggling with and ask for ideas on how to approach the problem. This conversation will build communication and collaboration to then share ideas on how to lead through the chaos that everybody's feeling. Now, oftentimes just starting that conversation is going to lead to comfort (laughs) because everyone will know that they're not the only ones struggling and that comfort is then going to lead to idea sharing. Now, there are two warnings for these types of peer conversations. First, it's imperative that the conversation not be event session. When you're a leader, you'd be wise to never vent to your peers because it can do more damage to the relationship and the organization. Make sure these conversations are solution focused. Again, share a problem, but do it without bad mouthing a person and then quickly take that conversation and get it to idea sharing and solution finding. If you're a leader, you need to vent. Yes, everybody needs to vent. But as a leader, you need to vent to your spouse, to a friend, or above to a boss. Never vent across and down because that'll greatly and negatively affect the culture. Now, the second warning is, don't let the idea sharing with your peers lead you to panic (laughs) in thinking that you have to implement every idea or that you have to do everything that you hear somebody else doing. The environment of up and coming leaders can easily be tilted from one of collaboration to one of competition and trying to one up each other. So work to keep it safe. Go first in being vulnerable and make sure it stays focused on collaboration and solution finding, not competition. So remember these two phrases to help you. First, 
the only way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. And second, the only step you need to take is the next right step. Speaking of the next right step, if you've started the conversation with your peers, then the next right step in leading across the organization is recognizing that your pain points may not be as bad as some of your peers' pain points. Every organization has different departments in it, and in times of chaos, some departments actually suffer more than others. Now, in the book, The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni, he discusses the first team concept in building a healthy organization. According to Lencioni, organizations struggle when leaders are selfish and department-only focused. It's when leaders come together to support the health of the entire organization as a whole that each department will by default be provided more clarity and support. So as you come together with your peer group, don't be selfish and don't be territorial in thinking of your department only. It's the entire organization that's in chaos, not just your team. So when leading across with your peers, make sure you stay focused on what's best for the greater good of the organization as a whole. So talk with your leader peers to identify priority needs and collective support. And focus on equity, not equality. Some departments are more insulated from the problems than others. So become a unified front to support the departments that need it most. And oftentimes this happens just by having peer alignment on goals. You and your peers' goal may be to find a way to surface issues to the executive level. So to recap leading across the organization, go first. Go first in inviting your leader peers to join a conversation in which you share a problem without bad-mouthing a person and then ask for ideas on a solution. Then as your leader peers begin to feel more collaborative, the conversations can shift to supporting the first team or the team that has the most pain points. All the sharing of department pain points will reveal more insights into the true root causes of the chaos throughout the organization. And that, my friends, is a huge bonus. Your eyes are going to be opened across the organization and you'll have more insights as to what is actually causing the chaos. Okay, take a deep breath here. I want you to reflect on all the work you're going to do to lead through chaos. You're going to put the oxygen mask on yourself. You're going to put the oxygen mask on others. You're going to rally the group and give them a dose of hope within the culture. And now at this point, we're looking at leading up the organization. But first, you're going to make sure that you've led well down the organization and that you've led well across the organization. So here we go. The mother of them all. How do we lead up the organization, especially if the feeling across and down The organization is that the executive level leaders are disengaged, unrealistic, or incompetent. The foundation for leading up an organization isn't having the knowledge about or even the right solution for the organization. It's actually about having humility, integrity, and a clear message. Remember what leadership is. Leadership is influence, and you can't influence others for the good if they don't like you, trust you, and understand your message. So before you ever think about leading up, 
Check your heart and check your guts. Are you able to check your ego at the door? One way to check your heart is to check your conversations. The conversations with your leaders can't be about showcasing yourself and your skill sets to make a name for yourself to get that next promotion. It's not about you outshining your peers or even outshining your boss. So check your ego. Leading up is about helping your organization go from survival and chaos to thriving in results. One of the very first things you need to know about leading is that you can never, and I mean never ever, skip a level of leadership in your conversations. Even if you work for an absolute idiot, (laughs) you still need to be open and inclusive and always start the conversation with him or her first. By skipping over your boss, there will either be undertones of, or honestly just in your face claims that you're playing politics, that you're backstabbing, or that you're jockeying for a promotion. Remember that you must have integrity and you got to do the right thing, even if it's hard. So even if your current boss is a huge cause of the chaos, your conversations still need to start with him or her directly before going above his or her head. And also check your guts. It takes guts to step out and have the hard conversations, honestly, in general, but it's even harder to have the hard conversations with the leaders above you. But as I've already said, having integrity is also about doing the right thing, even when it's hard. So you do need to speak up about things that matter. So as you step out to grow your influence for the betterment of the organization, remember to be humble and check your ego. And also remember to have integrity. Do the right thing even when it's hard. And once you've prepared yourself internally for leading up, you're ready. You're ready to externally start the process of crafting your message. Now, while the essence of who you are and what you model as a leader are always on display in every interaction that you ever have with the leaders above you, don't hear these words. Don't ever just wing it when it comes to leading up about a specific problem. Be proactive and intentional. We always say that here on this podcast. Be proactive and intentional in your approach. And there are three areas that you need to think through to plan out your message to the leaders above you. Remember, executives are high-level leaders, and they see more than you see, and they deal with bigger problems than you deal with. And they honestly deal with problems that you know nothing about. So as a lower-level leader trying to lead up to help the organization out of chaos, you need to have a message that will cut through all the noise that your leaders hear. Your message needs to be one, relevant, two, concise, and three, directly tied to the big picture goal of your organizational leaders. Okay, so we know our message needs to be relevant, concise, and tied to the bigger picture. So how do we do that? Well, first, identify your approach. Identify your approach for delivering the message so that it's relevant, so that you can go for a win-win. Have an approach that helps your boss win and helps you win. So your approach needs to be relevant by being closely connected to what is already being worked on or considered by the upper level leaders. In other words, your message needs to be of assistance to a problem that they are already working on. And this process starts with early research on your behalf 
in finding out how is your boss feeling? What problems are they working on? And what are their priorities? So in your one-on-one sessions with your boss, start asking questions. Ask how they're doing. If you and your coworkers feel completely overwhelmed, it's almost a guarantee that your boss feels even more stressed than you are. Because remember, high-level positions are paid more because they deal with more. (laughs) And they even deal with way bigger problems than individual contributors. So in all your interactions, ask questions of your leaders. Ask about their priorities. So let's say your boss is throwing out mandates like beads at a Mardi Gras parade, and it feels like it's a tangled mess with no direct connection to your team's mission. So here's an example of leading up in a humble way that gives the boss the benefit of the doubt. Thank you so much for giving me five minutes this afternoon. In our last meeting, I wrote down the action items that you want my team to do A, B, and C. But as I think about how to relay this information to my team, I'm struggling to connect the dots. Can you help me connect what you're asking me to do to the vision of the organization? Now, the best case scenario is that your boss is going to be so stressed that honestly, he just forgot to explain it to you. And then he can easily share the connection for you for clarity. Now, the worst case scenario is that your boss has no idea. (laughs) He has no idea how the actions that he's mandated are connected to the vision and you've given him something to think about. Hopefully, he'll come to realize that he was just throwing spaghetti at the wall to see if it would stick and fix the organizational problems. But by you doing your research and asking questions and checking in on your leader in a humble way, you're going to be able to gain a bigger picture view of the holes in the organizational plane that are sucking out the profits and the OHI scores. Now, as your relationship with your boss grows in trust, you're going to have more influence on them in a positive way. And then you can start having those hard conversations as needed. But also, you know at Leadership on the Rocks, you cannot run away from psychology. You need to know and think about and analyze what are your leaders' triggers? What are their motivations? We've talked about the word waffle a lot. Know your leaders' waffles. What are their wants, their aspirations, their fears, their frustrations, their loves, and their expectations? That's going to help you step into their shoes and connect to them in a way or a language in which they can now hear and understand what you're saying. Again, know your boss's triggers. So for example, let's say you work in a small startup. One thing you need to know is that business is the owner's baby. (laughs) And a hot button trigger would be to insult the baby that she is caring for. So know the leaders above you and know their motivations and their triggers. But also remember the goal here. It's not to point fingers or to cast blame. It's to save the organization no matter who gets the credit. And you want your upper level leaders to stay open to dialogue. So keep the problem that you want to discuss kind of hovering as a third party problem that you and them are trying to solve together. So remember to truly check your ego here and always take the high road by never bad-mouthing your boss. Because when your boss is successful, you and your team is successful. So support his strengths and work around his or her weaknesses. Now let me give you an example for this one. If your boss is disorganized, for example, offer to step in and document what he or she said and decided and then send an email recap to the team so that they have clarity about the action items. Right? Know your boss's triggers, know their motivations, know their strengths, work around their weaknesses. 
Now, chances are, if you've already been doing the work of talking to and getting to know the problems and priorities of your upper level leaders, you're probably going to notice that they aren't aligned when it comes to identifying the problems and priorities of your peers and your team, and they're definitely not aligned when it comes to solutions. Now, once that curtain begins to be pulled back and you see the ugly chaos and how it really is, you're probably going to be overwhelmed because you don't even know where to start in offering a first step solution to ending the chaos. But never fear. (laughs) There is a process to help you find your priority and your message. And it's easy. It's as easy as moving sticky notes around on a table. So think about this. To help you organize the sheer quantity and mess of problems that are popping up out of all these conversations you're having, you need to find just one problem to work on. So one thing you can do is take some sticky notes and brain dump or list all the problems that you've been hearing from all the conversations you've been having. What problems or insights did you have from the conversations with your team, the conversations with your peers, and then even write down the problems that you've personally experienced. And let's say you did all of those in a black pen or a black Sharpie. Then take a different color pen and write out on separate sticky notes all the problems and priorities that the leaders above you are talking about. Now, you have a bunch of sticky notes. All the black is going to be from what your team, your peers, and you have experienced, and the other color pen is going to be from all the leaders. So put the leader sticky note problems at the top, like headers of a category, and then organize the rest of the sticky notes into those leader categories or specific problems and start looking for patterns, trends, and similar root causes. Now, pick out the problem category that most aligns to your upper leader's biggest pain points. And then try to choose one, just one problem that has the lowest hanging fruit to be able to solve. Now, once you've identified the top problem that the organization has and that your upper leaders, peers, and team are feeling the pain of, that's the one you want to work to solve because they're already working to solve it. And now you can be confident in knowing that your work, your solution finding is going to be relevant to all stakeholders, from your team to your peers to your upper level leaders. In looking at your sticky notes, you're probably going to notice something. And I hope it doesn't happen, but experience tells me that it will. (laughs) If your team and peers are talking about problems, let's say they have those sticky notes, and it's not even on the radar of the leaders, it doesn't fit in any category of what the leaders are talking about, then your organizational plane is in an even bigger nosedive than you thought because there is a huge disconnect between upper leadership and the people that actually do the work. But remember, you can't eat the elephant at once. So you'll have to choose your first bite or your first step towards progress. So go with the pain point that the leaders feel is the most important because you're leading up at this point. Now, remember, you've already been leading down and across. So your personal team and peers know that you're leading and supporting them and that you're somewhat trying to insulate them from all those pain points. So to recap, step one of leading up is to identify your approach. And that has you doing a lot of research. You've got to do research before you craft your message so you can lead up. So you do your research by building a relationship of trust with your leaders and asking questions to be able to provide support. Get to know their problems and their priorities. 
and then brain dump all the problems that you heard from them, your team, and your peers on sticky notes and organize them into problem categories so that you can choose one, one problem to focus on that has the biggest effect, but also the lowest hanging fruit. Meaning you have a realistic idea for a solution that you can actually solve the problem. Okay, so once you've done your research on what's relevant to your leaders, you've learned their priorities, you know their strengths, their weaknesses, their motivations, and even their triggers, all of this is going to add up into knowing how to approach them with a message so that they're willing to actually give you the floor to share your idea. Second and leading up is you have to identify the proposed talking points. Again, identify the proposed talking points that you want to make so that your message about the solution is just one problem and it's very concise. Y'all, executives have so much stimuli vying for their time and attention, and they're thinking about so many problems that they don't have the time or the brain capacity for your details. Executives don't need to be in the weeds of the details, so you have to learn how to be short and concise and stick to a point. And remember, they don't have time to, and they will not read long emails or sit through wordy PowerPoints. So don't even waste your time on building them. Keep your emails to six lines or less and keep any presentations with key points only on the slides. But now feel free to add an appendix at the end of your PowerPoint for more details, because some leaders do like the details, but most don't. (laughs) Now at this point, You've chosen one problem to work on a solution for, and you want to craft your message in such a way that you can actually get buy-in from the leaders above you. So this requires you kissing the problem and the solution. And by kiss, it means to keep it simple, stupid. So state the problem in simple language that would cause everyone who heard it to be able to actually hear it, identify with it, feel the pain of it, and want to solve it. Once you've clearly defined the problem that you want to solve in the chaotic organization, you need to develop a strategy for a simple and efficient solution. Now, strategies are the big picture plans of action designed to achieve the overall goal. And strategies can have several tactics embedded in them, and tactics can be interchangeable without the strategy changing. So when leading up, focus on the strategy. Yes, you need to know and plan for the tactics, but what you present to the upper level leaders is actually going to be the big picture strategy only. So as you brainstorm those strategy solutions, think about working through a SWOT analysis to make sure that it is actually the best strategy at this point. Now, a SWOT analysis stands for analyzing the strategy's strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Again, a SWOT analysis is analyzing those strategies, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So when you run your ideas through a SWOT analysis, you're better prepared to present a simple message and to be proactive in speaking to why the strategy is the best option at this point to solve the top priority problem. When you talk to executive level leaders, their perspective is usually so much, listen, it is so much wider and bigger than yours that you need to stay short to the point and stay in the bigger picture. And a SWOT analysis is really the perfect working format to help you be concise. So as you think about your talking points, stick to four things. The problem, the goal, the proposed solution, and the level of resources required. So again, you're going to be focused on the problem, the goal, 
the proposed solution, and the level of resources required because they always want to know what's this going to cost me. <laughs> now, you can also have an appendix for your talk, which can support the SWOT analysis and any proposed tactics that would Im be implemented with the strategy. But do not go into too much detail on the tactics with upper level leaders unless they ask. Be prepared if they ask the details of the tactics, but don't present them, all right? Usually they don't have time for that. Now, third in leading up is you have to take action. So you've done all your preparation, you've done your research, you've done your sticky notes to pick out one problem. You've done a SWOT analysis on that problem to find the one solution that's really going to help at this moment in this time. So now it's time to take action. You need to schedule a time to converse with leaders above you. But y'all, do not do it in a hallway, do it through an email, or do it with a drive-by pop-in of, hey, do you have a minute? Leaders are busy. Never try to pop in with the goal of dropping a presentation of ideas on them. Get on their calendar. And remember to not skip levels. Your first pitch should always be with your boss. So the goal of this meeting is just to get enough buy-in to keep the ball rolling forward in talking about the problem and developing the solution. So you need to converse or present in such a way that your leaders hear you and give you buy-in so that you can keep moving forward on the solution. So how do you approach the conversation when you're leading up and identifying a problem and presenting a proposed solution? First, it's with anybody. Understand the nature of people. The nature of people is to always listen for how what you're saying affects them personally. And people want you to cut to the chase, cut out all the crap. Just say how your solution is going to help them with their problem and what you want or need to solve the problem. So think about and talk to what resources and level of engagement the solution requires of the leaders you're talking to. Now, what you need here is the simple, here's the problem and here's the proposed solution concise message. Now, for this, I would like to introduce you to the 111 equals three third party concept. When you're fixing an absolute mess, everyone is so overwhelmed and frustrated that you have to keep your message and actions even more simple and more concise. So in the conversation or presentation, you need to identify only one problem, one goal, and one strategy. But you also need everybody to buy in and be willing to work shoulder to shoulder to accomplish the goal and implement the strategy. So the way you need to do that is you need to have a problem that's delivered in a third party way. As in, the problem isn't caused by either party. It's a third party problem, which is a common enemy that everyone wants to defeat together. So think through it this way, All right? Think through how you can introduce that one problem from your sticky notes as a third party problem. And not anyone individually is in charge of the problem or cause the problem. When people feel directly responsible or attacked, they will become defensive and they're going to shut down. It takes an extremely confident and humble person to admit ownership of big problems. And if your organization is in chaos, I bet that organizational leaders don't have the leader mindset, skill set, or the guts to admit that the chaos is their fault. So make it a third-party problem and then invite them to join you in on a common cause to defeat the common enemy. 
So let's talk about a made-up scenario. Uh, I know there's a lot of talk about us possibly going into a recession. So here's an example of a small startup company uh, that's having major chaos within the company. So for example, if you're talking to an upper level executive and the company is having major money issues because they focused on expanding in a time when they should have been focusing on recession proofing the company. Now, the company is, let's say, hemorrhaging money because of the bad leadership decisions, and there are now rumors of massive layoffs. Yeah, I could even be talking about possibly Twitter or Facebook here, but I'm not. I'm just being generic. So the problem that your team is dealing with is being overworked and chasing the leader's previous ideas for growth, even though there wasn't the good business foundation to uphold the company's expansion. And now they're dealing with the fear of layoffs. Now, your peer leaders are dealing with the problems of a negative work culture, a lack of consistency in systems and processes because they're constantly chasing the innovation of the leaders above them. And now they're having quality employees leaving, which is causing a huge workforce problem. So now let's take a look at the upper level leaders. Your upper level leaders are dealing with the problems of losing money because their ideas for growth and expansion of the company didn't actually lead to more sales. And now they're having their investor and stakeholders threaten to pull out. While the real problem of this whole scenario is that the company leaders weren't a good steward of building a strong foundation of quality leadership, systems, processes, and communication for the smaller company, or it could have been that they outpunted their coverage in trying to be too innovative, when they didn't have the market for it. So either one, pick either one. But the point is they tried to scale the company and make it grow, and now it's causing it to implode on itself. That's the real problem, the bad leadership at the top. But you can't walk into an executive's office and say, you and your bad leadership is the real problem. (laughs) So you have to make the problem that you're trying to solve a third party problem that has a common enemy. And you have to have a solution that helps everyone win. So from your team, to your peers, to your executives, develop a strong strategy that's actually gonna help everyone go from surviving to thriving. So for example, your one problem, one goal, and one strategy may sound something like this as I'm talking to my executive. Your employees believe in your vision for this company, but the impending recession is becoming a huge obstacle in accomplishing your vision of growth. So one strategy to accomplish your mission and to bring the company together to overcome the market downturn is to focus on realignment and streamlining the work for efficiency and effectiveness. And we can use various tactics like blank and blank to not only streamline and sustain the current work, but it's gonna stop excessive spending, it's gonna save you money, And it's going to provide better customer service and newer markets for growth, which is going to allow your company to not only survive this economic downturn, but to grow in spite of it. Boom, there's the presentation. While again, this example is generic on purpose, you can apply it to your own situation. In this presentation to an upper level executive, the third party problem is the possible recession or the market downturn, right? That's the common enemy. The personalized pain point is that the leader's specific vision and mission aren't being accomplished. And the solution is defined to realign and streamline the work to stop the current hemorrhaging of money so that we can actually continue to grow. 
So identify that common enemy that injects pain points so that your audience, your remember your audience is those upper level executives, that they feel it. And defeating the common enemy is the one goal that you're trying to rally around. But you have to sell the goal in a way that paints the picture of not just defeating the enemy, but providing a bigger reward to celebrate at the end. The reward can be intrinsic or external, depending on your leader's motivations, and your approach can align to those motivations. So then you step in through that presentation and you offer that one strategy and how to achieve the goal of defeating the common enemy. So again, in our scenario, the common enemy is hemorrhaging money, right? Uh, preparing for the recession, the, the market downturn. Now, you have to be very convincing in how your strategy is the best solution to your leader's problem at this point in time. So talk about the results that the strategy is going to deliver in defeating the enemy and how it's going to accomplish the goal. We're going to recession proof, but we're also going to save money, right? But then there's going to be this big reward at the end where we can still grow and we're going to have a better product and a better market for it. But remember to stick to your point and be concise. Your concise point needs to be directly tied to the big picture goals and the strategies of your audience, not of you, not of your team. Focus on your audience. Your message needs to show the upper level leaders that the solutions you're sharing is not only going to solve the problems that they're working on, but it's going to help them reach their ultimate goal for the organization. And y'all, that is hashtag winning. Because think about this. If we implemented the realignment and we focused on what's most essential, that's going to help the team. They're going to stop chasing their tails with innovation and different systems and processes with no consistency. And they're going to be able to focus on what matters most. That's going to help them win, which guess what? It's going to help the culture. It's going to help the lower level leaders stop losing people, but it's still going to help the bigger organization at large because it's going to help them focus on what's most essential get their current business structure back in order to then be able to scale and grow. So when you're talking and leading up, stay at the higher level with the strategy, but always be prepared to give examples from the SWOT analysis that you did and have those example tactics that you uh, brainstormed under your strategy. Offer to email your presentation and have that appendix with more details ready so that they can read and learn more. Now, Should the leader that you're presenting to have buy-in, which is what you want, you also need to be prepared for them to want to take that concept further. And depending on how bad a leader you work under, they may even want to take credit for your idea. Remember, to lead up requires humility. While your boss could be the very reason the, the culture at work sucks, it's still the right thing to do to help a drowning person. So lead up by helping him or her know where the organization stands and lead the conversation by always offering solutions to support positive change. Honestly, y'all, the worst case scenario is that you were able to speak freely, offer assistance, and if you're totally rejected or not given credit for your work, then at least you're going to have more clarity as to whether or not you want to continue working for that chaotic organization. We have talked about so many higher level things. Yes, pun is implied there because we're talking about leading up. (laughs) So let's take a moment to recap. To be a part of leading the organization during chaos, you need to lead down, across, and up. 
Leading down is to make sure that you're being a good steward of what you're in charge of and that you're practicing what you preach when it comes to leadership. Focus on the essentials only in the midst of chaos. Clearly communicate and document everything. Streamline the work. And keep the team focused on a common goal. And please remember to kiss all the stuff (laughs) that is rolling down the hill in order to stop the avalanche of stuff from taking over your team. Now, in leading across, it is to rally your leadership peers by going first and inviting your leader peers to join you in a conversation in which you share a problem, again, without bad-mouthing a person, and then ask for ideas on a solution. Then as your leader peers begin to feel collaborative, the conversations can shift to supporting the first team or the team that has the most pain points. All of the sharing of department pain points is really just going to reveal even more insights into the true root causes of the chaos throughout the organization. And finally, in leading up, in leading up the organization, you need to be humble by checking your ego And you need to have integrity to make sure that you're doing the right thing, even when it's hard. But before engaging with the leaders above you, you need to craft a message that is one, relevant, two, concise, and three, directly tied to the big picture goal of your organization. And the three ways that you can do that is first, identify your approach for delivering the message so that it is relevant and goes for the win-win. Now, an approach that helps your boss win and helps you win. So your approach needs to be relevant by being closely connected to what is already being worked on or considered by upper level leaders. In other words, your message needs to be of assistance to a problem they're already working on. And this process starts early with research into finding out how your boss is feeling, what problems they're working on, and what their priorities are. Now, second in leading up, You have to identify the proposed talking points that you want to make in your message so that the solution to the one problem is concise. Choose one problem and discuss it and run the proposed solution or strategy through a SWOT analysis or the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And third of leading up is to take action. Take action to schedule a time to converse with leaders above you and then present one problem, one goal, and one strategy through a third-party concept by naming a common enemy that everyone wants to defeat together. Sometimes we end up working for an organization that is in complete and utter chaos because of a lack of structure, a lack of communication, or maybe it's a negative work culture. Leaders are the first ones people look to for answers in times of hardship and crisis, but they're also the first ones to be blamed. Even if the problems of the organization aren't fixed or actually made worse by the executive level, you as a leader of influence can help turn the organization around by working through the domains of impact. First, in times of crisis and chaos, remember to put the oxygen mask on yourself in the domain of self. Second, begin assisting others with their own oxygen mask in the domain of relationships. Third, start rallying the group around a common cause in the domain of culture. And fourth, after you've done well in leading down the organization, begin leading across and up through the domain of organization. 
Working in an organization that is full of chaos, y'all, it is extremely hard and it can really take a toll on you mentally, physically, relationally, and even financially. But at the end of the day, I want you to remember these two things. First, it's the difficult situations that can be our greatest teachers in leadership. So don't be quick to run and seek a place of comfort and never go through the experience of hardship. Now, while the current situation or circumstance is hard, these hardships provide you with the lessons and the skills that are going to be invaluable to your future, especially if you want to continue in leadership. Number two, you are not a victim in this situation. So don't have a victim mentality. You have choices laid out before you, so choose, but choose wisely. Two of the most obvious choices really are you can step into the chaos and help lead the organization out of it, or you can leave the chaos completely and seek a new job or career. But at the end of the day, don't be afraid to leave the chaotic organization. But also, don't make an emotional decision (laughs) in thinking that a perfect job, a perfect boss, or a perfect work situation exists somewhere else. Everybody has skeletons in their closet. Every organization has dirty laundry. Every organization has its own internal problems and external constraints. So before deciding whether or not to jump from the organizational plane, just consider these things. Consider the risk. Consider your family. And consider the industry. With the risk, it could be the risk in pay and your personal finances, the risk in job or title hopping, and trust me, we look at that on resumes. It could be the risk of losing out on situations that are actually meant to produce more leadership growth in you. Second, consider your family. Job transitions always take a toll on your family. If you're married, then consider your spouse's support. Don't go from chaos at work to chaos at home because you quit your job without your spouse's support. Home should be a sanctuary, not your battleground. And then third, consider the industry. Are you transitioning a job or a career? Are you running away from something or are you running to something? Working and leading in an organization going through chaos is an extremely difficult position to be in. And I want you to know that I am praying for you out there, and I pray that you have wisdom and discernment in knowing what your next move is. But no matter what, remember to care for yourself, to care for your relationships, to do the best you can with what you have, and at the end of the day, you are not a victim. You have a choice. Just choose wisely. So until next time, continue putting in the work of building your life and leadership on the rocks. The Essential Rocks. God bless. Remember, the most essential rock you can build your life and leadership on is the rock of Jesus Christ. Today's Bible verse comes from Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up.